Oh, real quick, guys. This episode of Written By is brought to you by Storyflint. Storyflint. Are you looking to hone your writing skills and elevate your storytelling abilities yes. above the rest? Well, look I no am. further than Storyflint. Whoa. Our growing library includes a wide range of resources, including guides, articles, and curated tools and videos to help writers of all levels improve their craft. Now, that all sounds really cool, but what really sets Storyflint apart is their exclusive Notion templates. Now, these templates are tailor-made for writers and world builders to provide an easy and intuitive way to organize their story elements. Oh, heck yeah. So whether you're an aspiring author or a seasoned vet, Storyflint is the perfect resource to help you grow your skills and take your storytelling to new heights. Your one-stop shop for learning the art of storytelling is here. Visit storyflint.com. I'm Robert Therrell. And I'm Chase Bridges. And we're both screenwriters. Listen along each week as we either work together to write a new short film or go head to head with competing movie pitches. This is Written By. Welcome to Written by Podcast, the number one podcast in the world. Right behind all the other ones. Full disclosure, we uh, we messed up on the first take. We, we had just done the same thing, and I went for way long. You and did. I think you thought and I was going to do it again. You could have gone on for longer, yeah. Yeah, 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 but I didn't. Because I want to talk about... Well, okay, this makes it sound like I'm plugging these. No, these are just for us. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wait, if you're not watching, us. you don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <clears throat> Most people listen to the show. They don't watch the show. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, but we still have a lot of people that watch the show. Basically, that's we got written by hoodies, dog. Yeah. Just for us. These aren't for sale. You can't get one. These are just for us. You want to know the best part? Whip it around, Robert. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, man. You can screenshot it right now. Yeah. And it'll take you to our website. <laughs> is that where the QR That's goes? where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and wait, whenever we're out in public. Yeah. People are going to be taking hey, pictures me, of our backs. Let me uh, let me paint the scene for you. Okay. You're stuck at the DMV. Yeah. Oh, man, everybody Damn. hates the DMV. You got to get yeah. your driver's license changed mm-hmm. because you just recently uh, got a new haircut. And you don't want the picture on your license to be different than the one on your driver's license. Yeah, because you know. then the cop is going to think you stole the car. And, yeah, you know. yeah. You don't want to do that. Some people look drastically different with their haircut. Yeah. So what you do is you go to the DMV and you're waiting in this long line and someone's standing behind you in that long line. You're wearing your written by hoodie. It's got a QR code on the back and they're like, wow, QR code. That's so interesting. I wonder what that QR code goes to. So they pull out the phone and they click it on the little camera app and it takes them to writtenbypodcast.com. And they're like, whoa, what is, I'm, in, I'm interested in stories. Yeah. I'm interested in filmmaking and, and screenwriting. And also, even if I'm not, I like listening to little stories every week. Yeah. This is our new guerrilla marketing technique. Yeah. The new demographic we're going after is people that go to the DMV. Yeah. You know, I was I was watching the Blackberry movie mm-hmm. and part of their marketing gimmick was they had their salespeople go to all these like high-end bars and lounges and just yeah, yeah, talk yeah. very loudly on their Blackberry obnoxiously laugh at the blackberry so everyone was looking like oh what is that what guy is that? yeah yeah that's we're, we're doing, doing that but we're doing DMV. it at the dmv yeah, yeah yeah i mean i'm trying to think of the last place i stood in line and that would be universal theme park which would, yeah. would also work but it's too hot to wear a hoodie that's true yeah i would have to go in like i don't know it's always hot in florida you know what i mean uh-huh 
yeah, guys, if there's enough demand for these, we'll uh, we'll make a little shop. But uh, until then, until then, yeah. just for us. Yeah, that's just that's the kind of chaotic energy we bring to the table. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know what the bowl is going to bring us today. Me neither. But I know what I'm going to bring to the bowl. What do you bring to the bowl? And that's chaotic energy. I've just got it in me today. Cool. Well, let, let's write something chaotic. All right. <laughs> it's like we end up <laughs> writing something depressing. Yeah. We've done that before. We don't like those episodes as much. Yeah. All right. I have drawn... I feel like this is a something you put in. A classic dinner mystery. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Yeah. This is I don't know in the how the timetables go of these releasing cuz that's Robert's job. Uh what isn't Robert's job? Uh but the past 2 weeks have been things that I've been waiting on. Yeah. And you know what? I didn't see this coming. It's kind of terrifying when we finally pull something I've been excited to do. Oh yeah. <laughs> cuz we learned when we did the I mean I'm not going to say what it is in case it falls out of order or something, but yeah. the last one that I was super excited for there was so much pressure. That's right. Because we were so excited to yeah, actually. Yeah, we took so much longer to write yeah. it. We got in our heads because we wanted we were to do so it right. about it. Yeah. So I'm going to try to go in with an open mind on this one because, yeah. you know, I'm the mystery guy. So a classic dinner mystery. I threw this one in the bowl. I thought this one would be, um, I wanted, because we had done a whodunit before. That's and right. we did a whodunit set at a wedding. Yep. Episode two or three, you can go listen to that one. The audio is not great, but it's still a really fun episode. It's got iced tea in it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I wanted after we did that episode, I realized that we we didn't do what I kind of had in mind when I when I wrote the Who Done It slip to go in the bowl, and that is a classic kind of dinner murder mystery. It's a bunch of uh, you know a few people at a dinner in a mansion, and the lights go out, and when they come back on, someone's dead. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. Pretty much all the all the classic beats of this genre are pretty set. So what what is going to be the way that we set ours apart? I don't know, man. I for, I guess let's explain the kind of the beats for the people that wouldn't know okay. traditional. Yeah. So I guess kind of the most famous examples of these, mo the most mainstream examples are Clue. It's got Christopher Lloyd and that one dude from The Breakfast Club. Um, and then there were none is probably the most popular. It's a Agatha Christie play. No, yeah. it's a movie. I'm trying to think. Scooby Doo's played with it. Some basically the premise is you're at a haunted mansion, not even a haunted mansion. You're in a, an old timey house or mansion, kind of like the Biltmore house. If you're around South Carolina, you know what that is or North Carolina. Um, and there's like a big fancy dinner. And then when you're at the dinner, the lights go out. The lights come back on and someone's dead. And you then, people keep dying throughout the night and everyone's panicking trying to figure out who is the person that's killing everybody. So the, the biggest example of this, the most famous example of this is And Then There Were None by Agatha Christie. And basically the, the way that that one goes, I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but the way that it goes is they're all invited to this island by this mysterious... Um, uh, I can't remember the name that they put on the letter, but this mysterious rich guy. Yeah. And they all come out on a boat and they go to the island 
And they're all sitting around, they're waiting for the host to show up. And while they're waiting for the host to show up, a, ra- a record starts playing over the little gramophone or whatever, the record player. And it's the host reading this letter. And in the letter, he's exposing crimes that each and every one of the guests had committed. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much accusing you know, someone of a hit and run accident with their car, someone who killed their... Um, they were like a nanny and they killed their, the, the person that they were hired to watch, like, et cetera, et cetera. And they all start immediately blaming each other and trying to figure out who is the one that is killing them. At first they think maybe he's just hiding on the island somewhere. They search the island and they realize it's one of them. And that's kind of the most basic traditional premise of a dinner mystery. Yeah. So right off the bat, we need... We need an excuse to get a bunch of people together mm-hmm. for one dinner. Yeah. I think we should go off the beaten path. I think we should make okay. this weird. You know what I mean? I was feeling the same thing. Yeah. Um, and that really boils down to like, we can figure out why they're all together if we figure out who they are. So like, what yeah. kind of characters are we dealing with here? Because traditionally, what it'll be is it's like kind of wealthy people. Yeah. But then also like TV shows... We'll do a whodunit episode where they will bring together characters. Yeah. So, I mean, right off the bat, two ideas. Uh, you get a bunch of rich people and they're all in a submarine together. It's probably <laughs> old news by now. But you know what? Still a lot of humor there. Yeah. Also, it could be fun if trying to think of things that give a modern twist to it if it was some sort of like internet community where a bunch of people that only knew each other over the internet via their usernames like met for the first time that's cool because then there's the extra element of you kind of don't know for sure who each person is or like they might not be what you expected or something like that that's fun i don't i don't so immediately my first thought and i'm not saying we go with this okay because i don't think it's a good idea but it was the (laughs) first thing that popped in my head was like a community of like larpers okay but i don't like that idea but that was the first thing that popped in my head the second idea that popped in my head and we've played with this theme in some other episodes this season but like what if it was like at like a VidCon? yeah and it's like youtubers yeah uh but i don't know i don't know because it's kind of like if we do with the youtubers then there's kind of like like is someone doing this as a prank for their channel Oh, yeah. And so people don't even believe the murder is actually happening until they get killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until it gets serious. So I think that's fun. But let's keep spitballing in case. Yeah, I mean, what if it was like a reality show or something? Or it's secretly a reality show and they don't know that they're being filmed and they think it's real. I don't know. But people have done that, too. People have done that? Yeah, people have done that. Um, I wonder if there's a way... a great example of this is Knives Out. Yeah. Um, what is okay? Let's just start from here. What is a reason that people come together for a big dinner like that? Yeah, uh, it's a group of friends. Someone has died. It's a funeral. It's a holiday. Uh, Families. A lot of times it'll be family. I did a play one time where it was like the big reveal. I don't remember what play it is, and I've tried to find it since then. So this isn't like spoiling something yeah. important. It was like a one act play. Um, the the big reveal at the end was that uh, they were all family members except for one of them, huh. and all the family had put it together to get that one person. Huh. 
Yeah. That's interesting. That's a yeah. fun, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, if you're Jesus and you're about to get killed. Oh, get snap, a bunch the of Last together. Supper murder <laughs> mystery? <laughs> that. <laughs> We just we retell the Last Supper, but nobody knows that Jesus is about to die. Even though I guess that supper is famously where he announces that he's going to die. <laughs> okay, well, that's kind of fun, though. What if we did a retelling of the Last Supper, but we don't say that it's the Last Supper? Like, at the end of the film, the short film, you realize this is a modern telling of the Last Supper? The only thing is, like, you could you could only have one murder during that. Yeah. And it takes place after the dinner. <laughs> I mean, we could take creative liberties. <laughs> I I could imagine a situation where <laughs> what if they're rehearsing for the Last Supper play, but then the actor who plays Judas just ends up dead. <laughs> oh, dude. Like, oh. Okay. That's really good. Okay. Uh, so it's a play. It's a church Christmas yeah. play. Is the Last Supper like a Christmas thing? No. No, it's Easter. It's, it's Easter. Easter. So yeah. it'd be a church Easter play. Yeah. And they're and they're <laughs> and they're at a rehearsal. Okay, so when I did theater, they would we would have when it was time for like tech rehearsals, yeah. we would be at rehearsal. They would essentially lock us in the building for the whole day and night. Mm-hmm. It's a tech rehearsal for their big Easter play. It's a mega church, right? So yeah. it's super big production. They're on stage and they're going, they're sitting around the, the last supper table and then the lights go out because of a technical issue. And when the lights come back on, Judas is dead. The, <laughs> yeah. the actor playing yeah. Judas is dead. This is fun. You know what the mystery of it could be? Judas is the first one to go. They try to figure out what's happening. Maybe Thomas is the second one to go and they realize, oh, Judas was the one that betrayed Jesus. Thomas was the one that doubted Jesus. The disciples that were like the least faithful to Jesus are the ones that are getting (laughs) killed off. And maybe the murderer at the end is just like someone who's very confused and think these people are real or something and wants to get back at them for betraying Jesus or something. I don't. Yeah, no, that's that's the first thing that popped in my head is like someone is blending reality with. Yeah. Which is cool, but I think that's going to be the first thing that anyone thinks of, especially if we do it that way. That's true. But uh, what if Judas isn't the first one that dies? So that way we can have the joke of like, I mean, what if Jesus dies? <laughs> can we do that? Like, can we kill the actor who's playing Jesus first? Because then it's mm-hmm. like, then there's the obvious joke of being like, yeah. oh my God, he's dead. And they all look <laughs> at the actor playing Judas. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, no. He's like, whoa, I'm an no, actor. No. <laughs> And what's funny is like they're not even actors. They're yeah. just, they go to this church. They go to the church. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we're on to something here. Also, immediately when they try to go out of the church, like it's locked because you know churches have lock-ins and stuff, or they used to. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I think this is the kind of thing where like, I mean, we haven't figured out the ending yet, but we yeah. will soon. <laughs> yeah. But they've locked them in this church, and they're stuck uh-huh. in this church, and they're getting killed off one by one. Okay. Yeah, now I'm now I'm curious what the what the killer's motivation is here. Yeah, we need to come up with the ending and work our way backwards. Yeah. Which won't be as fun for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, one of one thing, it might be too obvious, it might not, but uh 
you know, Jesus comes back on the third day. What if Jesus after come the back third to killer, life? the Jesus guy comes back and he was the one that did the whole thing. He so, killed himself first as an alibi. So that is a trope in these dinner mysteries is like the guy who dies actually. I thought it might be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we could play with that. Yeah. When Jesus comes back to life and it turns out he's the one that did it. Or wait, no, what it is, is he comes back and turns out he's the one that did it. But then he gets killed and he it was him and another guy collaborating. But then oh. the other guy wanted to off him. So it's like a scream kind of thing. Yeah. There's more than one killer. Oh, I, man, I, I'm we're cooking. Think, we're, I'm, I'm trying to think of a possible motivation because like one thing that comes to mind is what if this is like a church that a lot of rich people go yeah, to. Yeah, I want it to be like a huge... Yeah, and yeah. maybe they they took advantage of a bunch of offering money or church money and like spent it on themselves. Oh. And somebody, they're killing them to get a hold of the money for themselves so they could do what they want with it. But they also, they want to they wanna play with the people a little before they kill them. They want to make them feel ashamed for what they did or something. Okay, so it could almost be like the pastor finds out that someone has been skimming money from the church. Well, I would think one of these people might be the pastor, actually. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here, let's, let's figure out how many... So there was 12 apostles yeah. at the Last Supper, right? Yeah. Does that mean we need 12 actors? in this or when they do like when you would do a play about the last supper yeah. would you cast all 12 or would you have like six because how many disciples were there 12 yeah i mean possibly i could i definitely think they would do all 12 i can maybe see a situation Plus where Jesus. if this is like a dress rehearsal or something they just have the five with lines so do they not Jesus. all have lines so, in the last i don't know a lot about this sorry uh, I mean, I mean, if you're doing a play, like there, there are certain, there are certain disciples that I think would have speaking lines, and certain disciples you could get away with with just being extras. So okay, so can you name the ones that you think would have, like, kind of be the main ones? Yeah, so obviously Judas is a big part of that story. I think Peter and Thomas. I think he specifically talks to Thomas at the Last Supper that he'll deny him three times. Maybe you want the people that wrote the Gospels too. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Thomas, Peter, Judas, and then Jesus. That's eight. So say that again. Jesus, Judas, Peter, Thomas. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Oh, the Gospels are there. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess that it only gets rid of four. But <laughs> actually, you know what you could do? That's a good list, though. That's a good yeah. number. You could you could also you could have the other four there, but it's just like cardboard cutouts of a, <laughs> a disciple. Or we could even like explain at the beginning, like, hey, so these four couldn't make it. Yeah, so we got these stand-ins. You just have mannequins with the... <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> so we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight. That's a good number for this. But also, these are the they're playing these characters. Who are the actors, right? Because I imagine like one of them's a cop, and uh -huh. he's the one that leads the kind of investigation of the night. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he's the detective. I want these people to like be involved with the church, but uh, right. But like some churches, like they have security officers. Like there's a there's a security oh, guy they got in there. So you're saying they should all work at the church? I was thinking that these are just like big important people at the church, like members and employees. It could be that. It could be that because I could see where like the chief of police is also really important in yeah. the church. 
Yeah, I feel like if he's the chief of police, he doesn't have time to do a play. But the security guy, if the pastor's there, then like you could you could have him put on. Okay, the so rope and one of them is a there. security guy. Yeah, I like there being, I like there being a a member of the congregation that's the head of this really big organization that would you know siphon a lot of money. Like a there's a great plot line in first reformed where there's this businessman that goes to this church and he works for this company that's polluting the city and is terrible for the environment. And the pastor of this church that's kind of connected to this group, he wants to speak out against like stuff that's bad for the environment because he's worried about the world ending. But then his parent church who funds him is like, no, we can't speak out against these people because they donate a whole lot. Okay. I like that dynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that could play into... I feel like whoever is killing the people at this table, they want to see people judged for misusing the church. So maybe there are okay. different reasons people are misusing the church. Like the uh, the first person that dies is this businessman, or maybe second or third one of the people is this guy because he's been, you know, the church has been misusing their influence to help guys like him. Maybe okay. there's somebody that's taking from the church when they shouldn't. And then eventually the people piece that motivation together. So we should have like an accountant, like the church accountant. Yeah. Yeah. The accountant is, is there a disciple money. that would work best to be an accountant? Like, is there one that just really loved money or something? I mean, Judas. I mean, honestly, Judas. Yeah. Let's have Judas be Judas the would be that guy. He likes silver. <laughs> um, I put the businessman who misuses church influence as John. I don't think that really makes sense, but that's yeah. just kind of who I threw it under. Because John's Jesus's half-brother, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that should be like the pastor's brother. And he's I kind of like a... Cool. I think that'd be cool. He's like yeah. a Walter Goggins character where he like... He wants yeah. the the power, yeah. but he doesn't have it. Yeah, I would give the I would make the businessman a Peter. Okay, cool. Let me. I'm trying to write all this down. So this is a short film, but we have a lot of characters in play. And then what's a third way someone would misuse church? Church. So then there's the the uh, there's the pastor himself who could be misusing something with the church, or should should yeah. the should Jesus be the pastor and he actually be the only one that's not done anything wrong? Huh. Because I, I like the idea, I feel like the pastor would cast himself as Jesus, but at the same time, I like the idea of the pastor not being innocent here, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't, Jesus doesn't have to be innocent. Like we said, we could do a thing where he comes back to life after being dead. Uh-huh. Okay, what if we did a thing where he didn't mean for it to get out of hand? What okay. if Jesus, hold on, let's, what if the pastor playing Jesus uh-huh. fakes his death? Yeah. With the help of someone else mm-hmm. to try to teach them a lesson about misusing church funds. But then they start picking each other off one by one or someone actually dies or something. Okay. Maybe this is what you're saying. Maybe it's different. But what if uh, – so the pastor – okay. If it's people stealing church funds, it makes sense for the pastor to be in on it. If this businessman is in, maybe not so much. But like kind of where I was going was like maybe the pastor is in on this in the beginning where he's like, hey, people are stealing from the church. We're going to teach them a lesson. 
but he didn't mean to actually kill anyone. His partner kills for real. So his partner is someone who is like anything that their pastor tells them they are going to do and they're going to do it. Or to I was thinking that like the, the, the partner is also disenfranchised by the pastor and it's like, hey, you're guilty in all this too or something. Oh, snap. That's cool. Okay, let's but see. But I, 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 I kind of like the idea more that there are three people that have misused the church for three different reasons. Like, okay, Jesus is the first one to die. That's the pastor. Well, okay, if if a killer's playing around with him, though, he's going to keep the pastor alive. Like, let's let's figure out who the rest of these characters are. Yeah, because okay. I think that's going to help us. So. Okay, because. We need to figure out the different characters, and then they, we can figure out their motives based off of what we want to do. Yeah. Okay, so if we if we have kind of a corrupt church that's yeah. almost ran somewhat cult-like, I guess there would be the character like you were talking about that is just like sold-out Kool-Aid drinker, will do anything Pastor says. Right, so which disciple would that be? Uh... I don't know specific qualities. Let's just let's just give him to Matthew. Let's I was going to say Matthew too. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay, so he's like, how do I explain? That? How do I write that? Uh, just like super. It's like Kool Aid drinker. That's a. <laughs> I hear that terminology used. Kool Aid drinker. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then there's the accountant. Judas is the, played by the accountant. Peter is played by a businessman who misuses church influence. Yeah. Matthew is the Kool-Aid drinker. John is the pastor's brother who wants all of the attention. Yeah. We talked about a security officer. Yeah, that could be Mark. Mark is a security officer. I think since it's a play, what if the one of them should be like whoever's in charge of the arts department of this church? Yeah. Actually, you know what? Maybe this is our end to get the pastor not killed first. I, I bet I bet the theater director would be cast as the lead role if this is a yeah. smaller church. He's the director project. and Jesus. Yeah. I bet then we could we could give Thomas to the pastor. I think that adds a nice. Now, do you think that the pastor now is the pastor innocent or guilty? I think that's what we got to figure out. Of the murders or of the stuff going on in his church? Of just stuff going on in his church. Oh, 100%. Yeah. <clears throat> so now we just need someone for Luke. I was trying to think of like just a, a third person that could be misusing the church. It's not financially. It's not influence. Uh, I'm going to send you this shared note so that way you don't have to write all this out. Too. Oh, I've been writing them down. Oh, okay, cool. What if, uh, <laughs> what if it's the... Uh, there's like a singer or a rapper at the church that is using it to try to make his their, music career happen. Music career, that's cool. And like, that would make sense because the musician would want to be involved. So maybe yeah. he's just like the the worship leader. He's a worship leader, yeah. And that's Luke. but the real trendy kind that's like wearing fear of gods. It, it's the kind that like he's not even really a Christian, but the church is the only place where he gets to sing every week. Exactly. Exactly. I really like this. I really like this. Yeah, this is a fun premise. I bet the pastor is going to be one of the last people alive. The killer is going to want to kill him last. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the theater director goes first, just as like to get this guy out of the way. And then you get the three people that are being judged. Someone that's being judged for using the church for money, using the church for fame, using the church for political influence. And then after like people try to start to figure out what's going on. And then we're left with the security officer, the brother, and the pastor. And somehow, 
it all comes to a head. And I do, maybe, maybe there is something where the theater director who gets shot manages to wake up and say something after the third murder. That would be really <laughs> yeah. funny. Okay. So we, I think we're moving pretty quick and I think I know the solution as well. Okay. Okay. But let me run through this list real quick. So yeah. Jesus is the, the is played by the theater director and he yeah. dies first. Yes. Judas is played by the accountant and the accountant is being accused of misusing church funds. Yeah. Peter is played by the businessman who is who's accused of misusing church influence for political yeah. gain. Thomas is the pastor. What is he being accused of misusing? I think the pastor is the culmination of all these. He he knows everything everyone is doing. He's the he, one that enables everyone to Yeah. And he knows this is going on, it's not right, but he enables it because it helps him. Like it helps his church be the bigger church. So it he's kind of a narcissist. Money. Yeah. Okay. Then there's Matthew, who's the Kool-Aid drinker. Yeah. Mark, who's the security officer. Oh, yeah. And the security officer, maybe he's covered up some scandals in the church. Yeah, I like that. I was going to say, I know you said you had a solution, but a potential solution could be the security officer is the guy that is doing it. Oh, because he knows all the secrets. Yeah, he knows all the secrets because he's with him all the time. And he's the last person they would suspect because immediately when the murder, they turn the lights come back on. He's the one that's like leading the way. He's the detective character. Yeah. Okay. But I, I want to hear I, what your idea is. Yeah, I have a pitch though. too. But let's finish this list. So then Luke is the played by the worship leader yeah. who is using the church for fame. Yeah. And then John is played by the pastor's brother who uh, wants all the attention. And he just kind of like... That might be too similar to the worship leader, but he definitely like he sees the church as his own domain. He could just do whatever and no one could say anything to him. I think he's just obnoxious. Maybe, maybe the pastor's brother is like a drunk, like he's an alcoholic or yeah. something. I don't know. So, I bet I bet he has a job at the church and he just doesn't do He doesn't do, do anything. anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nepotism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nepotism abuse. Okay. Here's my pitch for okay. the ending. Okay. The Kool-Aid drinker who is just, you know, for so many years really yeah. believed and taken in everything that the pastor has preached. He's really just like, he is just in 100%. Yeah. And then- he starts realizing all of the he, – he basically starts picking them off one by one from – he's accusing them of of the this abuse of his church yeah. that he loves with all his heart. Yeah. And so we can frame it to where he's like would never go – like it's kind of mm-hmm. a, a, a twist because he's like always on the pastor's ass. Yeah. And then it comes out that – no, he's in fu- he's furious. He's infuriated that these people are abusing something that he loves so much. Okay, I like that. I like that. Maybe I think just to add an extra twist, maybe it's both of them married. Like he is he is the one that started it. Like he he was so sold out for, you know, just Christianity as a whole. This is the first place he really got introduced to it. As he started doing more reading, he was like, hey, some stuff I see happening around here isn't cool. But maybe he's wanting to kill off all the other people, but he's still, there's a part of him that likes the pastor. So he doesn't kill the pastor. Yeah, but what if he teamed up with the security guy, who is the only other person that knows everything that's happening? He knows where the bodies are buried, so to speak. But the security guy, he is the one that's like, nah, we're killing the pastor. But it's just the three of them left. 
Kool-Aid drinkers like, okay, now it's just us. Now you have a chance to lead a good church. And the security guy's like, actually, no. Oh, snap. And then so maybe the ending is the Kool-Aid drinker and the security guard start fighting because they the security guard wants to kill the pastor because he's the one that has like built this community of abuse and yeah. and and narcissism mm-hmm. but the kool-aid drinker's like no this is not why we did this we did this to free him from these these people exactly. he's the victim we did this so he could change but then the security officer partly part of it is that he wants to change he wants a new life that has nothing to do with this but also he knows he's done things that the pastor knows about and he can't truly have oh. a second start until everybody that knows about that is dead and also the security guy, since he has access to all the security footage of the records and stuff, he could give himself a great alibi, alibi. to show he wasn't even there. He could be like the other four. He'll put he has a cardboard yeah, for him. Yeah. And so like the last shot of the short is him placing like he like wipes the gun or the yeah. knife or whatever, sits it on the ta- sits it in the <laughs> uh in the Kool-Aid drinker's hand, frames exactly. the Kool-Aid drinker, yeah, places his little cardboard cutout and walks out of the church. I like that. Yeah. Woo! We on one today, son. Okay. Which disciple was the Kool-Aid drinker? Uh, Matthew. Oh, that's right. Okay. I've sent you the shared note in case you want to just go. Oh, okay. What nice. I My autocorrect just messed up Kool-Aid. So, okay. <laughs> Man, this is a good, this is a good short film. And yeah. there's like morals. I know. There's like yeah. deeper stuff. I don't want to get too deep. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, bro, you know, first of all, I want, if we do this, if we ever yeah. produce this, I yeah. want to play the Kool-Aid drinker because oh, yeah. I can just see like that monologue at the end, the yeah. reveal. And he's like, no, 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 no. I, I, I did this for you because these people, these people, they were, they were ruining the church. They uh-huh. were, they were making you something you're not. You, you help people. You, you are good. You speak to God, but these people, they, they, they turned <laughs> this into something bad. They turned you into something bad, but now you're free. We're free. Yeah. Yeah, and so now the three of us are going to walk out of here. We're going to walk <laughs> out of here, and, and our church is going to go. It's, it's going to help people again. Yeah, that's how I'm going to play it too. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I think. I think now we just need to flesh out a little bit of uh, how do the characters start reacting once the killing starts. Yeah, I think we, we have a solid beginning and a solid end. So the way that so this is a short, so we got to do it quick. Yeah. Typically, the 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 way that a mystery there's um. Mysteries have a little bit of a different structure than like a typical three act structure. Yeah. It's still three acts, but it follows a little bit of a different. If I had my notebook, <laughs> I could go through it. But yeah. So typically it's like um, you introduce the characters, you introduce the detective. The first mi- the the first murder happens, in our case at least. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the first murder will happen and then you'll meet the detective and the characters. But in our case, you'll meet the characters. You'll meet the detective character, which in our case would be the security officer mm-hmm. or the pastor. I can see where the pastor would try to yeah. lead the – try to figure out what's going on. But we can figure that out. Mm-hmm. Then the first killing happens. Then So now they're looking for clues. They're trying to piece stuff together. They're trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Another death happens. And typically that death is the person that they are suspecting. Yeah. The biggest suspect is the next one to die. Yeah. So then um again, clues, trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Another person dies. 
that time it can be, you know, it could be anybody really. And it, it just follows that formula. And then the ending is typically a false reveal. Mm-hmm. So it's like they think they have it solved, but then it turns out that they have it wrong and then the truth is revealed. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to propose one change to keep it a little a little tighter. So we do have the theater director as Jesus, but if we're yeah. running with everyone that's being killed is someone that like misused the church somehow. Oh yeah. That doesn't make too much sense, but maybe Well, maybe they yeah. I, it could, but also just to keep down on the amount of backstories you have to put in here. Maybe it could be fun since the brother is such a bombastic character. Maybe he's Jesus because we get his deal immediately when we see him and then he's the first one to die. And then we just eliminate John and then like we have it to where it's only. Yeah, let's uh, let's eliminate a character. Peter, I think. So the businessman who misuses church influence. Yeah, because uh, Judas and Thomas are two important characters in, in that Last Supper. So. Okay, so if we're Lumen, so who would John be then? John, let's make John the uh, the businessman. Okay, so we're just, okay. Crap, 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 crap. What I'm curious about is just okay. Lights come back on. Jesus is Jesus dead. is dead. What is everyone immediately thinking? And do you do you think the Kool Aid drinker is kind of trying to steer the steer the discourse towards? what he's thinking his reason for doing this where he's like okay let's think why would anyone have a reason to kill my brother and everyone's just like well <laughs> none of us really like that. it was like actually so I, I like that even, idea everyone's freaked out for a little and then the pastor's like no why would anyone have anything against my and brother like, and everyone's uh, just like uh. <laughs> i mean we could think of a few <laughs> <We> reasons <laughs> And then like, someone, someone's like, ah, it'd be easier to figure out why they wouldn't want to kill your brother. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's really funny. I think maybe maybe at first they don't realize that he was killed. Like maybe he was poisoned, quote unquote. Like he was drugged. Yeah. And so they're like, oh my God, what happened? Do We, we need to get him to a hospital. Then when we need to get him to a hospital, they realize mm-hmm. all of their phones don't have a signal in the sanctuary, which is like a common thing. Yeah. No, no, we don't have a so They try to leave. All of the doors are like bolted shut. Yeah. They go to the security guy. Hey, you can open the doors. You have the keys. His keys are gone. Yeah. So now that kind of takes some of the heat off the security guard because it's as if his keys were stolen. Mm-hmm. In reality, we know he just hid them. Yeah. Because yeah. he's in on it. I think so immediately people who watch a mystery, they fit, they assume like, okay, the butler did it is a yeah. big one. We we want one of the red herrings to be basically what I'm trying to say is the Kool-Aid drinker, Matthew, we need to make sure that no one sees him being the killer. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. But it's okay if the security guard is suspicious. Yeah. So I think, I think no one will suspect him because I think immediately when murder start, he places himself next to the pastor and is like, we're going to do anything to keep you safe or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he should just be kissing the pastor's ass the whole time. Yeah, yeah. So so Jesus dies. Everyone's freaking out. It's like, why would someone do this? Uh, oh, we're locked in here. We can't call anybody. Why would someone do this? And someone brings up, well, <laughs> there's this one thing. <laughs> uh, I think there's a fun plot device we could use. So typically there's like a 
a letter or a there's like a a method in which they're being told what they're being tried for yeah so in a church service what if it was like what if the projector turns on Uh uh-huh and it's like worship song lyrics but it's accusing them of different crime like you know something like or, or it could be like a bible verse yeah i mean there's a i don't know how much this says about the motivation but there is I've, I swear I've written at least three separate horror sequences that have all like had this song scoring it. But uh, <laughs> there's there's the hymn called Nothing But the Blood where it talks about like the refrain is being washed in the blood of Jesus. And I always thought if you didn't grow up in church and you it's just so walked creepy. in. Yeah, you just walked in to people singing about being washed in blood. That's a little off putting. That's cool. We, yeah, we should keep that in mind for like the score. Yeah, but that, I mean that could be played on the projector as like a. <laughs> well, my thought process is like the projector could explain miss. You know, okay, I I could see the projector showing a Bible verse after each. Killing, and it has and to they do have with to what they're it. guilty. Yeah, of. yeah, that's what I'm trying okay. to say. So it's like <clears throat> if there's a Bible verse that has to do with you like, know, it would be really funny. I think this is a fun joke, but it also helps throw heat off the Kool Aid drinker and make the pastor out to be a bad guy. Is just the bible like reference not the actual verse but just like john 4 18 or something goes on the screen and everyone turns to the pastor it's pastor what does that say and, and like, he doesn't uh... know but then the kool-aid drinker does and he says it verbatim to everyone and then and then and we can play it off at the first where he's like wow you know the verse and he goes of course you preached it two months ago sir <laughs> and it's like we know yeah. he's yeah. calling him out for the hypocrisy yeah you preached this two months ago yeah but he just but seems, yeah to the audience it's like oh man that also lets him know like oh this guy loves church and he loves yeah. his pastor yeah so immediately after that first bible verse it's something about being i mean like being a drunk or something or pride comes before a fall or something just whatever we think that the brother is guilty yeah. of. but the verse comes up they say that and it's like oh I mean, are any else of us doing that? It's like, I don't, I don't know. I just, before they even have time to think about it, lights go off again. Then let's say the, the businessman dies. And then there's a verse about like, there, there's a verse about Jesus whipping the money changers that were in the church. Okay. Something like that would come up. And then that's when the pastor tries to think about why he might've done that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it's like, Okay, there's no way in, there's no way out. It's one of us. And the pastor or so it's like after the businessman dies, they're like, well, you know, they see the verse, they talk yeah. about that verse or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, oh man. Maybe the pastor I'm I'm picturing John Goodman and Righteous Jim stuff. Yeah. And he's like, ah oh, man. Um a, f- a few months ago we did find out that he was misusing church influence to help his political career and yeah, or we were planning on him doing a political rally during service, and yeah, 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 know about that. yeah. And then a thing that we could do with the the Kool Aid drinker mm-hmm. is after the pastor's like, "This is all my fault. I should have never yeah. allowed it to get that far." And the Kool Aid drinker's like, "Hey, this isn't your fault, Pastor. Yeah, he made that decision to use the church for his politics. Yeah, you know what? We could also do." to add some more mystery around the security guard maybe immediately after the brother dies the security guard is searching the perimeter 
trying to find, you know, who's on the projector, who's doing this stuff. Yeah. So when the lights go out, they come back on, someone's dead. He's the only one that's not with the group. So he's automatically a suspect. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, so yeah. maybe maybe this second segment is about they're trying to take his weapon. He oh. gives the weapon away, but then it ends up that somebody died anyway. And now they're like, oh, who did it? Also, I kind of want that gun back. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Because also we could we can have... To kind of speed this up, because it is a short. Yeah. So it's pastor's brother dies. Lights come back on. They're confused. They don't know what's going on. The Bible verse shows on the screen. Yeah. They talk about what that means. They figure out, oh, wow, that's not good. Lights go out again pretty quickly. Lights back on. Businessman's dead. That's when they kind of figure out, oh, snap. It's because he was trying to use it Mm -hmm. for political reasons. This is the point where, I mean, they've already checked. the. This is the point where the cop goes and he checks the perimeter. Yeah. He's checking everything that's going on. Yeah. Lights go out again while the cop is gone. Yeah. Who dies? I said the accountant dies next. Okay. And so now at this point, or is everyone kind of suspecting the security guy and they make him hand over the weapons? And but then another murder happens when he didn't have his weapon on him. Yeah. So are these guys getting shot or are they dying in different ways? I like the instantaneous nature of the being shot. Like the poison would take a bit, I imagine. I wonder if there's like a, a way they could die with some religious symbolism. I thought sure. about it, but I think it's better if they just get stabbed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then maybe the security guard's the only guy. He's yeah. got like a knife on him. Yeah. And they're like, we're going to need that knife. And so I think during that... um that conversation when they're talking to the security officer and they're blaming him, that's when they kind of, we can quickly nail out who else is misusing funds out of yeah. the group. They know the accountant. Is, and the reason I like the worship leader is because they might not have pegged him immediately because he's not like stealing money, right. but he's still in a sense like making money, profiting off the church. Off, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, like, his crime is that, like, he's not even a Christian. He's just using exactly. it for... Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay. After the accountant dies, yeah, they are suspecting the cop, the security yeah. officer. And they know, you know, the Bible verse places up, and it's a Bible verse about stealing money or something. Yeah. This is even when we can introduce the idea that the pastor is like, hey, you know everything that goes on around here. <clears throat> yeah, we can plan you know that now. And then maybe the pastor, right then and there, he accidentally slips up and admits something in the heat. He goes, "Yeah, you knew because I had you cover up the missing funds." Yeah, and that's when the Kool Aid drinker goes, "Wait, what? Wait, 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 what?" And he's like, "We had to borrow some money from the church for a situation we had, and and me and the accountant, we had to hide the money. We had to put the money away, and 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 and." And the Kool-Aid drinker, and this will keep us, the audience, yeah. from suspecting him, is he'll seem really shocked. Like, yeah. I can't believe you would do that. Yeah, I like that. So who dies next after the accountant? Does the cop, no, the cop doesn't die. No, the worship leader. The worship leader dies fourth. And he can be like, he's, you know, he could be like freaking out the whole time. Like, yeah. he's like, he's like, oh my God. Like, he's very like uh, vain. And he's like, I yeah. can't die. I you know he's freaking out yeah yeah 
Oh man, if we actually wrote this, we could go. We could really get into depth of these characters. I but know. for now, we just yeah. have, have to. Hit I kind of like it, but yeah, the worship leader would die, and then it's just the three we want as the final. And then I like the idea since this is the third death since Jesus died. Maybe the brother character still has a little life left in him, and he points at the Kool Aid drinker. The pastor's like, "Why are you pointing at? Why are you okay. pointing at him?" It's I have an even better idea. Okay, okay. He so. The security guard gets cleared, quote unquote. Yeah. When the worship leader dies. Yeah, because they maybe they took his knife before and he's because the died. pastor has his knife. Yeah. After the worship leader dies, they've pretty much cleared the security guard. They're kind of almost suspicious of the pastor a little bit. Yeah. Wait, no. After the worship leader dies, it's just the three of them. Yeah, right? it's just the three of them. Yeah. Okay, so they're like, oh wow, so it's not us three. There must be something. There must be someone else in this building. Yeah. Jesus wakes up, he points to the security guard. Uh-huh. Pastor has the knife. He pulls it on the security guard and he's like, I knew it was you. I knew it. I knew it. You thought you could pull the wool over my eyes, but I'm the leader of the sheep. You know, something, uh-huh. yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Exactly. While he's aggressively threatening the security guy, gets hit in the back of the head by the Kool-Aid drinker with like a plate that's on the table. Well, I think the Kool-Aid drinker would have his own knife because he did oh. it. So he just draws it. But he doesn't want to kill the pastor, though. Kool-Aid drinker doesn't want to kill the pastor. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but he has the disarm of the knife, I think. Right. So yeah. he hits him with a plate to get okay. him to drop the knife, yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah, one of those Last Supper plates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, he drops the knife. Kool-Aid drinker picks up the knife, and he holds it out. Yeah. And that's when he starts... Going into his spiel, hey, hey, we did this for you, Pastor. We, we, and and then that's when it's revealed. Kool-Aid drinker, security guard work together. Yeah. Then I think the security guard would put a Bible verse on the projector, and it's like one of those like wolves in sheep's clothing thing. When yeah, he's giving yeah, his monologue yeah. about why he's going to die anyway. Yeah. Well, maybe the maybe the the Kool-Aid drinker is the one that did the Bible verses, right? Because we know that the security officer, he's just there. Yeah. Because he's trying to start fresh. He's implicated in a lot of these crimes. He's trying to kill them all so he can go get a yeah. fresh start. Kool-Aid Drinker does this big performance with the knife where he, you know, he's freaking out and he explains why they why they did everything. While and then he's like, but don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. We're not we're not gonna kill you. You're safe. We're gonna yeah. start over. We're gonna build yeah. this church from scratch. Kool-Aid drinker gets stabbed in the back yeah. by the security officer. Yeah. He drops him. Okay. Then the security officer explains his yeah. real yeah. motives to the pastor, kills yeah. the pastor. Okay. I like all this. I think we're basically done. Yeah. There's the one thing I'm hung up on, which is, is the security the officer, one? and it's in a church. The dude has a gun. I feel like that guy has a gun. Okay. I feel like we need to introduce... A gun? Because... They're getting stabbed, but a security officer that would work at that place would have, have a gun. gun and I like the idea of the pastor taking a gun and he has it at the end of the sequence. Okay. And then that would give him the most control. And then... Unless he got hit by the plate. Yeah, he gets hit by the plate and the stuff just drops. And then maybe as kool-aid drinker is giving the big monologue you're focused on just the two of them and get, that gives the guard enough time to shoot him shoot the pastor yeah. yeah i'm down yeah and then that causes the kool-aid drinker to freak out on the security guard yeah. starts having a mental breakdown yeah and then he shoots the yeah yeah 
My thought process of having the security guard and the pastor be last uh-huh. is the security guard can explain his real motives. But oh, I guess I mean can... that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. He, oh, okay. I think I think I misspoke. He shoots the Kool Aid drinker than the the pastor. Works for me. Yeah, yeah. And then the close is just him walking out, and I think one of his security guard buddies was just running the projector, and you see him with the little salvo. It's like, yeah, let's go. I don't even think we need because I don't want to implement anyone else. I want it to be like because he killed everyone else that could know about it. Okay, that's true. That's he can just true. have a remote in his pocket to do the slides. Oh, you know what? I was thinking of that. That's yeah. that's even why I wanted him to have a slide up there so we could see that he's been running the slides and he has a little belt where the remote could hide. And so it's actually yeah. been there the whole time and oh, he just didn't realize it. Oh, yeah, dude. That's, that's <laughs> sick. This is amazing. Yeah, I, I really like this. This is I what I'd too. be tempted to write because also you could just you this could shoot be... it in a church, you yeah, know, we should one location one, type thing. Yeah. I've been wanting to do a whodunit d- dinner mystery with our friends. Yeah, and they're all dressed up as Bible characters. That's oh, so that funny. makes it so funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 I know that we we know a costume house that has a lot of those yeah, we do. Bible. We costumes. should do this one, man. Man, <laughs> I'm a fan. Yeah, I've been dying to show what I can do. Can I, hey, look, hey, do you think we could co-direct it? I can show off my mystery oh. skills. And Robert's like, no. <laughs> Stick to what you know, pretty boy. Six. Six people are at the stage of a church, all dressed up as Bible characters. There's a big table laid out, but they're missing their Jesus. And they're all waiting around, like they're all looking at this dude who's playing Thomas. And he says, Hey, where where is your brother, Pastor? And he's like, Look, he said he'd be here five minutes ago, and it's like but then he also said he'd be here five minutes ago, 15 minutes ago, and then 20 minutes ago. But yeah, he'll turn up. He'll turn up. It's like, oh. The guy dressed up as Jesus comes stumbling in. He's got a flask or something. He's <laughs> clearly been drinking. He's like, hey, sorry, I'm late. And he like bit, he burps through all his he's sentences. like, Jesus is here. Yeah. He burps through all his sentences like he's a Rick from Rick and Morty. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> all right, time to get this. Uh, get this sorry, sorry. play on. Come on. <laughs> it's Jesus, baby. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and the pastor's like, all right, let's roll from the top. Let's roll from the top. So everybody gets seated. There are... Six disciples, including himself, and then there are six other disciples that are just mannequins, and they have little, little name tags for which uh, which disciple they're supposed to be. They move to the Last Supper set. They're all sitting down. Jesus' brother is like, "I have gathered you all here for." This supper where we all sit on one side of the table and the he's not taking this seriously at all and his pastor brother is scowling at him and so they kind of run the lines. He comes across a line that he forgets. He's talking to the Judas character. He's like, I will be betrayed and the, uh oh what was the line? I was uh what was the Yeah, I'm sorry, I don't know it. Um, yeah, it's always like, uh, oh, no, I don't know. He's like, you, and he knows that. And he goes, you preached it three months ago. 
yeah, were, you, were you not listening to my, my sermon? And it's like, no, I don't know. Anyway, I'm just, I'm just getting enough stalling to where the lights go out. <laughs> Everyone freaks out. Stage lights come back on. Jesus is dead. They're like, oh, <gasps> no. Ah, who did this? Everybody's screaming. Everybody's freaking out. Uh, they're looking around. Uh, their cell phones are missing. They don't have them on them. I guess because when they change into the Bible costumes, maybe we could play. They don't have pockets or something. Oh, know. yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's looking around. They all go to the doors. The doors are locked. The security guy, he was playing Mark. He is looking around the perimeter, seeing if he can spot anyone, if there's anybody, any way that they could get out of here. Meanwhile, everyone's freaking out. He's like, oh, my God, is he really dead? Yeah, he's been stabbed. He's bleeding. Oh, my God. How? And then the pastor is so distraught. He's like, who would do this? Who would have any reason to hurt my brother? <laughs> everyone is just kind of silent. And finally, uh, Luke, who is the church worship leader, is like, um... I mean, I can think of a few reasons. I don't... I mean, look, he was your brother at all. He's, I'm sure he's a good guy, but he's definitely not a not a perfect guy. And I was like, yeah, I mean, out of any one of us here, I could, I could imagine someone having a problem with him. And then the projector lights up. Everybody looks at it. And it flashes on the screen this Bible passage. Uh, we'll figure out all the Bible passages later. Everyone turns to the pastor and he's like, "Oh, what is what? What verse is that? What does that say?" <laughs> and the pastor's looking at it. He's like, "Uh, oh, I don't, I don't." And then uh, the guy who is playing Matthew, who is just a super involved person in this church, is like, "Oh, that that's that's the line about not being a gluttonous drunk. You you preached about that three weeks ago." <laughs> he's like, "Oh." Yeah, I just get my verses mixed up sometimes. It is hard when you <laughs> preach so, so much. Many of them. It's like, yeah, there are so many. And you preach so much, and all your sermons are so good. <laughs> but that's what that verse is. And maybe that, that fits with what his deal was. And before they could even figure all this out, the lights go out again. We hear a scream. Lights come back on. A church accountant who is playing Judas is dead. Everybody looks at this person. It's like, oh, no. Who could have Who could have done that? And then a Bible verse flashes up on the screen. But then immediately people start pointing at the security guard. They're like, hey, where were you when that went down? He's like, I was, I was checking the perimeter. I was trying to see if there was any way to get out. And he's like, well, as far as we know, we were all standing around here. We were kind of touching each other. And then you're the only one that was gone. Maybe it was you. And meanwhile, everyone's arguing. Bible passage just lit up on the projector kool-aid drinker it's like hey that's a that's the verse about jesus whipping the the money changers in the temple lights go out again lights come back on businessman is dead everybody's looking at him and bible verse flashes on screen something about you know we'll we'll find a good bible passage for him the the kool-aid drinker reads it is like oh he was a politician and what a what are y'all doing with him? And he's like, oh, well, he, he was going to have a, a rally at the at the church. And it's like, oh, do you think whoever's doing this has a problem with how we're doing the church or whatever? And he's like, hey, you, security guard, you might have a problem with what we're doing. You're probably the only person that knows about all this stuff all these other people are doing because you helped cover some of this up. And that's what he misspeaks. He didn't mean to say that. 
And Kool-Aid drinker's like, wait, what do you mean you covered stuff up? He's like, okay, it was it was just a temporary situation, but we needed to we had to use church funds to take care of a, a situation, just a a personal failing of mine, but something that could have could have brought the church down. And no one wants to see the church succeed more than you. And this was done for the church at large. He's like, I guess you had a good reason, but still that I don't I don't know what to think about that, but I, I trust you, Pastor. I trust you. And he's like, well, that if you trust me, help me get his his weapon, because he's been killing these people. And meanwhile, the security officer, finally the worship leader, the pastor, and the Kool-Aid drinker managed to get his gun and his knife off of his person. So now the pastor has them both. He's like, okay, now we'll be safe. Now we'll be the lights go out. Lights come back on. The worship leader is dead. And the pastor's standing there with the gun and the knife. And, you know, there's no blood on them or anything. The security guard is pretty far away from him. So it's like, oh no, who did that? Bible verse comes on the projector. Something about vanity. And now there's only the security guard, the Kool-Aid drinker, and the pastor. But then they hear a moaning, and it's from the brother who played Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) He walks up to the brother and is like, Hey, 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 you still awake? You still awake? And he he points at the security guard. He's like, it was... No, no, we we have his weapons. He didn't do it, and that's what the Kool-Aid drinker is like. It was me. I did all this, Pastor. This is... Look, Pastor, you don't have to worry anymore. I, uh... I just, I had been reading so much, and and there is so much happening in your church that just isn't biblical, that isn't true, that isn't right. But I know, I know you didn't mean for it, because you're such a great speaker, and you give such a great word. And look, now I have, I have freed you of all the wolves and sheep's clothing that are in here. I've freed you of everybody, and it's trying to dilute the message you preach. And now you could run and open an honest church and look just just promise i did this all for you and now we we could have the best church we could we could usher in the next age of christianity we could be a shining city on a hill and as he's giving this whole monologue he grabs this plate he smacks the knife and the gun out of his hands He's talking more. The pastor is listening and he doesn't know quite how to play it. But then the security officer, during this monologue, he grabs the gun, he shoots the pastor. (laughs) Shoots him kind of in the stomach so he's not immediately dead. And he's looking up. The Kool-Aid drinker freaks out. He's like, what? No, that wasn't the plan. That wasn't the plan. I know that wasn't the plan, but... Look, I know it's a hard bill to swallow, but he's just as guilty as the rest of them. In fact, he was in charge of most of this stuff. And then he pulls he pulls a remote off of his security belt, clicks it, and it clicks the projector. It shows a Bible verse about like wolves in sheep clothing. Yeah. And then that's when you notice he's had the projector remote on him the whole time. And Blake Drinker's freaking out. It's like, <clears throat> no, this wasn't the plan. Now there's gonna be no church. He's like, it's better this place is in the ground. Look, I've I've done things while working here that I'm ashamed of. I've covered up so much that I never should have and I want a second chance and the only way I'm going to have a second chance to start a new life if if everybody that knows about what I did here is dead he shoots the pastor again in the head shoots the Kool-Aid drinker and then the final shot 
him turning off the projector, he walks up to the stage and switches the nameplate so his name is now over one of the mannequins that's dressed up yeah. instead of the Judas. He plants the gun in the Kool-Aid drinker's hand. Yeah. And he, he wipes off his fingerprints, which is his fingerprints on it or whatever. And then he walks out of the church building. Scott Free. The end. The end. Uh, I feel like the only thing that we're missing... Well, first of all, if we actually wrote it, yeah. we would try to make it a little less obvious that the Kool-Aid drinker is involved. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We would yeah. keep it toned down. But we need a shot where everyone's in the last supper position. Oh, of course. Like that's that's immediately how they're all posed yeah. before the lights and go out. The lights go out right then. <laughs> That'd be yeah. sick. Yeah. And this has been The Last Supper, written by Robert Therrell and Chase Bridges. What can wash away our sin? I don't know. Nothing but, but the blood of Jesus. And then there's the part where it's like, it's like, oh, sweet, how the blood flows or something like that. I forget the exact words, but it's a, again, it's a very creepy song, like out <laughs> of context. And I don't think people realize how much of church stuff is really creepy if you just remove a little context. context. Yeah, no, that's true. I was hearing Mike Flanagan talk about how, you know, like Midnight Mass especially is about influenced by how he grew up Catholic. And he's like, yeah, people at church used to be surprised that I would be obsessed with like vampires and zombies and stuff. And he's like, hey, like all we do Jesus here. is kind of a zombie and like these other characters are kind of vampires because we're, <laughs> we're drinking blood every Sunday. And it's like, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it's true. Guys, we have a very special guest in the studio today. We have an actress who has been on shows such as Dynasty, First Wives Club, The Resident, She-Hulk, movies such as Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, and a host of wonderful short films, including Snowbirds, and I bet you're wondering how I got here. Guys, we have Eden Lee in the studio today. I I was going to do the same same joke we did when we did that the first time. I know, Which, but it would have felt really weird. It, would, it wouldn't have been organic. <laughs> I would have, uh, I would have joked about clapping for myself, uh-huh, and then it yeah, would have been very be meta. <laughs> I would have looked to Robert for his first question before yeah. I could start talking about the show House. <laughs> That'll right, make right. sense in a second. So, uh, yeah. Well, the listeners all know we've done this part before, but yeah. uh, <laughs> hey, it was only like what 10, 10 minutes? No, not even ten minutes. Yeah, five, it was like five yeah. minutes. No, so, not even. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who didn't hear us talk the first time, which is everyone except for us three, uh, Eden, <laughs> Eden also, you know, so her full-time job, it, well, actually, let me ask that question real quick. Do you work full-time as an ER nurse as well as acting? I do not. I do not anymore. Um, and that's because I've been, I've been a nurse for 10 years. And so I have a, a good rapport with my department and Whenever I'm like, hey, guys, I have to go work on a movie. They're like, bye, we'll see you later. <laughs> so, that's super uh, awesome. no, I don't work full time anymore. Yeah. Well, that's that's super cool because I, I think that's every performer. I know we're really jumping in here. But was that like a big milestone for you when you finally got to be like, hey, I don't need to work full time as well as act? Um, yeah. I mean, the reality is, is. For, it was a very slow transition, so there wasn't, there isn't ever a, a definite time where you go, okay, now I can definitely switch gears. 
Um, cause as we all know, it's seasonal, right? Like when, when we get to work or when we end up having to rely on other sources of income. So, um, it is a milestone for me now, but I don't ever anticipate walking away from the ER completely just because I really do like my work there. Um, and it's, it doesn't require a whole lot of time for me to, to keep it in my repertoire and in my life. That's super interesting. Yeah, that's cool. So, at what that point- I don't want to kick my thrival <laughs> job, my survival yeah. job to the side. Well, it's yeah. also it's more important than. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think yeah. I think what's so interesting about and it's one of the first things I thought of when I was reading up about you is like, there's people who talk about acting as if it's this. You know, really like I, I think people actors feel the need, and I'm no different, feel the need to justify why they're an actor a lot. And so actors will say stuff like, you know, I just feel like art is the most important way to make people happy when they're depressed, blah, blah. But then you have someone who actually does save lives and they're also an actress. <laughs> and so it's like you don't have to justify why you want to be an actress. I don't know. I just find yeah. it super fascinating. I think that ties back into the fact that everybody wants to feel significant. And I don't know, I think Perhaps it's working in healthcare that allows me to have a sense of perspective, but I think I've always looked at acting as the fact that I am just one piece of a very, very large puzzle. And so I've never, I've never felt the need to to make it feel more important than it is. I I know what it does for me as a person. Um, but I, you know, the older you get, the more you don't want to explain yourself to people so <laughs> maybe people yeah. grow out of it no, i'm feeling that yeah, yeah. i'm, yeah. I'm only i'm only 23 yeah. so i'm still like i'll explain myself to you sure uh earlier you, you yeah <laughs> you'll grow out of it don't worry about it <laughs> so there there are probably a lot of people probably listening to this that were that are kind of in a similar boat that you were where they like have a day job but they're interested in this creative field what was that process like between when you first decided to get back into acting and kind of the long journey from there to where you are now. It's a long, it's a long journey, but I mean, a lot of it is really just self-discovery along the way. You know, when I, yeah. when I first started, I was like, oh man, I'm pretty good at this stuff, right? <laughs> you know, you, you, get a, you get a great teacher who encourages you. And um, I remember when I first looked for my agent and I, and I found an agent and a lot of it was commercial work. And back then I was, you know, under the impression that like serious actors don't do commercials. We do film and TV. And if you could just see how amazing I am, you would want to make me the lead in your show and your, you know, and then very quickly I realized like, oh no, this is, that's not how any of this works. Um, but a lot of it, I had a lot of ego deaths along the way, you know, (laughs) of, of just realizing, no, I mean, there are, thousands upon thousands of really talented people who I, who you will never see on TV. And once I started realizing that it was me realizing that I have to, you know, balance my artistry and what I want to do in terms of my craft, but then also realizing that I needed to make myself valuable to the industry in some way, you know, I had to be some, a sense of a commodity, like something that could be marketable and, Um, so a lot of it was me in the beginning doing short films with my friends and praying to God, the footage looks great so that I could eventually (laughs) pick up an agent. 
Um, and, and, and that's when the journey kind of started. My, my first role, this is a, an interesting transition. Um, my first role that I booked was actually She-Hulk. Wow. Oh, really? Wow. That was the first. Okay. When <laughs> yeah. did you shoot that? Because that came out like so last year. I, yeah, yeah. yeah, it did come out last year. Um, it was technically the first uh, role that I booked and I worked and it was in April of 2021 was oh, when we wow. shot it. Okay. So it took a, it took a pretty decent amount of time for it to come out, but yeah, that was my first role. It was my first, um, large set, you know, like a grown up set that wasn't just you know, the running gun crew of like doing a short film with your friends. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was, it was pretty surreal. That's crazy. That I, crazy. I have questions about this. Like, for our listeners, like, spoiler alert for the end of the show, but, like, you yeah. have a really cool role, which is, like, the show <laughs> ends kind of meta, and the She-Hole character, like, steps out of a TV, goes to Disney headquarters, goes to the writer room of her show, and you're playing, like, the head writer, the show runner, and... I've actually like yeah. I've, I've followed this writer for a while. I'm a big fan of her. It's like I think she's Jessica Gal. Is that her? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So like I'm I'm a fan of her. I followed her for a while. What's her name yeah. again? <laughs> we followed her so we followed her so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You forgot her name. But no, I followed her. So like I know vaguely what she looks like. So it didn't even register when I saw the scene that it was like you at first, and then like friends were posting about it later. But like, what what did they? Did they just have you show up on set one day or were they like, nah, you got to like sound a little like this person or no, talk no. So, um, it was really weird. I think I can talk about it now. I mean, I signed an NDA, but the show is out. Uh, um, yeah. we'll, f we'll find out. Okay. We'll find yeah. out. Uh, uh, actually whenever, whenever Marvel auditions, they're very discreet. They don't yeah. tell you the project. They don't tell you the role. They'll use what they call like dummy sides that have nothing to do with the show itself. And so when I auditioned for that role, I was writer number one. Right. And that oh, was okay. it. And, yeah. and so whenever I auditioned for it. I had no idea. I had no idea what I was auditioning for. And I think there was a very real possibility that if they didn't find somebody that could play writer Jessica and could play writer Zeb, who is the other character that's, you know, sitting at the table in the writer's room, I think there was a, a very real possibility that they would have never had Jessica in the scene at all. Like it wow. wouldn't have been the cool thing to see that happen. Um, but you know, once I auditioned for it, I got a callback, which is one of the very rare instances where I've had a callback for a film and TV thing. Typically nowadays we're just like self-taping and kind of booking from there. Yeah. And that's when I had seen her and I wondered if I was supposed to be her or not, but I didn't want to make any, you know, so, jump to any conclusions, yeah. but yeah, but then it worked out that way. And then when we showed up and realized we were actually playing the writers, I was like, oh, this is really weird, man. <laughs> this is wild. Yeah. That's super interesting. So you talk about yeah. the audition process with the, the Marvel project. What is <clears> – <throat> because I think right now, like, everyone around our age, we had COVID happen. And that's kind of, like, changed yeah. everything for every job. What is – so if you uh, you shot your first thing in 2021, so does that mean you were auditioning all through like 2020, or was no, it just kind I of like I don't I don't think 
I don't think any of us were. I signed with my agent that I have right now in the beginning of 2020, and I was like super excited. I was like, "We're gonna get down. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> We're gonna book." And then, and then the whole world shut down, and I was like, "Oh no, that wasn't supposed to happen." Oh, and man. so, all of 2020, I don't think. I think I spent more time practicing how to be a great auditioner and how to like get the self tape tech stuff down because that was, you know, the transition was huge. Um, In the Southeast people were self self taping and we had been self taping for a little while, but now that we had time to sit around and do nothing, (laughs) it was, you know, I put the pressure on myself to be like, if I'm going to be a consummate professional, I wanted to start here and I want to make this all look and feel really great. Um, so no, I wasn't auditioning a ton during 2020. I think towards the end, maybe we were auditioning and auditioning in anticipation for the industry kind of opening back up. But I think that that particular audition happened in the beginning of 2021. So you talk about self tapes a little and you, uh, like we'll, we'll put up your Instagram. People should give you a follow, but you, you post a lot of like scenes you will do kind of like self tape style like I could I could tell you take that part of the job really seriously I think I'm one of the few people who really enjoys auditioning um and I I know that a lot of actors don't echo that because there's a mental barrier being like I just have to do this thing so I can get the job because that's where I'm going to do the really great work but for me the reality is is this is the work right this is just work that I don't get paid for and the audition is the the one level I feel like I get to do whatever I want and nobody can tell me that I did it wrong. And once I kind of got myself out of the headspace of, okay, I got to do it exactly the way I think they want me to do it. And I have to say it like this. And, and, and my character should be sitting in this feeling. Once I let go of all that and realize, no, my job is to bring me and my life experiences to this particular role in this audition. And however it comes out is however it comes out. Um, that's when I started really enjoying it. And I, and there, there has definitely been a, a positive correlation of me unburdening myself of, you know, getting the job mm-hmm. that has led to me actually having really great momentum in, in booking work. Wow. Yeah. I think that's a really great way of looking at it because so many people, like you said, there's like auditioning is like the worst, but when you want to act all the time, yeah. you're getting an opportunity, you know, to, you get the side, you're getting an opportunity to actually work on a character. You're getting an opportunity to do what you want to do. It's just, you know, you're not getting paid for it. So it's like, you know, what are you, what are you trying to do yeah. here, guys? You're trying to make money or are you trying to, trying to have some fun? <laughs> I mean, we want to make money too. Money's great. We like money. (laughs) Who who needs money? (laughs) But yeah, but I I think, I think practicing, um, and staying in practice is really important for me. Even now, you know, we're going through this writer's strike and, um, potentially, you know, SAG is going to be striking and foreseeably they're saying it it could potentially go until the end of the year. Well, I mean, I don't want to wait until the end of the year to act and to do things on my own. And so that's why I stay in practice of doing it. Um, the, 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 the question of what do you do to, to, to prep for an audition is kind of a loaded question because it, it depends, right? It changes depending on how I feel. I mean, I don't have like a list of things that I do. I know some people like to list it out that way, but that just like jacks me up. Like knowing that in a creative process, I have to work in a linear way. Um, so sometimes it's, you know, 
days and days of preparation and sitting with material. And sometimes it's like, I got six hours and I just got to memorize the lines and I'm going to spit them up and see what happens. <laughs> so when, uh, when you yeah. record a self tape, do you, when you feel confident about one, are those the roles you, you get, or do you, do you have situations where like you record a self tape and feel terrible about it and that's the one you book? Uh, that's happened plenty of times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there have been a couple of times last year and even, you know, work that hasn't come out yet, there are some where I, I feel like really aligned where I go, this is me. This is, they wrote this for me. You know, like you want to <laughs> feel that sense of alignment with the work that's coming in. Um, and sometimes it works out and I do get to work in that space. Or sometimes I'm like, oh my God, you slept on me. How dare you watch my self tape while you're on the toilet? <laughs> you know, you miss me. Um, and then there are roles like, a few that I did last year where like one, the audition was for a nun. And I was like, that's not it. Right. <laughs> there's, there's no way. Or there is another character who is in like a polygamous relationship. And I was like, that's not me either. <laughs> but I ended up working on those shows and I was like, oh, I guess I don't get to decide for myself. What isn't for me? Like they just happen to find their way in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Super sick. Speaking of stuff that you've done, you did a, com a commercial that came out recently. You want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, which one are you talking about? The T Pain one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Um, it it was wild. Um, it was a really long, long day. They were very ambitious. Miles and AJ, they're like a director duo, and. Um, we did it all in one day. We shot until like one in the morning, you know, and it took forever, but it was a, a very cool experience. T-Pain has like an entourage that follows him around <laughs> everywhere. And I'm pretty sure he has a woman who follows him around with a red solo cup full of tequila, which I thought was so rock star of him. I was like... I was like, oh, when you make this much money and you're a musical icon, I guess you don't even need to be sober to work. That's very cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. but he was super nice. Yeah. So speaking of that, like, do you, are there any like memorable set experiences that stand out to you, whether they were great or they were like something you learned a lot from? I thought about this question and I was like, oh, I have some really wonderful ones, but I don't know if I want to speak on them just yet. But I think... For me, the most memorable set experiences are when I feel like I'm not doing a whole lot and then I subsequently get thanked for being like a, a consummate professional. Like I just worked on a show in Wilmington where I, you know, I'm in one scene with one of the leads. I play a nurse in this one too. It's my second nurse booking. There you go. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, show up, I say my lines, I hit my mark and I'm like, this feels very simple and it feels very easy. And the director and showrunner was like, oh my God, thank you so much for being a professional, <laughs> which you, you come to realize that the standard that you have for yourself is not the standard that everybody else has for themselves. And so Whenever you get thanked for just doing your job, you kind of have to wonder, like, what, what is what everybody is else doing? doing yeah. When, <laughs> yeah, what are you, what are you guys doing when you come to set? Um, 
But I think right now the, the most memorable said experience was on uh, Twisted Metal, which is going to be coming out at the end of July. Oh, nice. um, I got to work on that show after auditioning for it all season long, like four or five times. I was like, dear God, what is happening? And my husband was really excited because he played Twisted Metal as a kid. He was like, oh my God, you have to get on this show. And I was like, oh, no pressure. Um, but when I got on set, uh, the one of the executive producers, you know, while I was walking back to set all sweaty because we were outside in new Orleans and it was like oh, wow, yeah. 85 degrees outside and just damp. And I was walking <laughs> back to my trailer and one of the EPs had stopped me. He was like, Eden. And I was like, yeah, Hey, hi. And he was like, Hey, I'm Grant. Nice to meet you. And he was like, thank you so much for being here. We've been watching your work all season. And we were like, we got to get that girl in. So we just want to thank you for coming and we hope it's a great experience. And I've never had anyone thank me for being on set where I was like, no, thank you. you thank you. Because thank you. I'm here because of you. Um, but that was, that was one of the moments where I was like, okay, people are, you know, they say people, your name is being said in rooms that you, that you're not in right now. And that was the moment where I realized I was like, okay, even if things don't always pan out the way that I want them to, um, all I have to do is keep showing up and trying to do my best and do the best work and eventually it'll work out, you know? Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I think the first time I saw you was, uh, Justin's film Snowbirds. Cause, uh, Justin actually, yeah. he went to the, he went to the same school as both of us. So we kind of know it through oh, that. Oh, cool. But, uh, <laughs> I, I'm just curious, like what that scene was like. Cause it is like the quintessential, his style where it's a little sad, but also like really funny. And like Josh Connolly yeah. from Phil Bryant's played your husband. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it was, it was very cool. Um, you know, even when I auditioned for it, I think for Justin, it was kind of more of a formality. He was like, I don't know, let me just, could you, you know, I have a role that I want to, to, for you to work on in my short film. And I auditioned, I was really nice in my audition. So whatever you remember seeing in the short film of the horrible way that I was acting, I was actually really kind because I thought she was a kind person. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> when we got on set, I was like, oh, I'm insufferable. This is awesome. This is more fun. Um, and, and meeting Josh, you know, I was already familiar with Film Riot. Josh is a very different person than the personality he is on, on the channel. And when I realized he was playing my husband, I was a little like, you know, as, as filmmakers and as people in the industry, I was like a little starstruck because I was like, oh my gosh, Josh Conley. <laughs> but then we, we started working and Justin is, Justin's very attentive and he's very um, open to what it is that you want to do, but he has a very unique way of getting things out of you. So if you got to see any of the BTS for Snowbirds, at one point he put, you know, um, Peppy wasn't in the scene with us. She, they put like a, a, he blew up a balloon and put a balloon as like our mark and was feeding us lines and, you know, 
at one point he wanted us to look around the room like it smelled crazy, you know? So there were little things where he was like, this room smells like cheese and you're one <laughs> and smells terrible and you're uncomfortable. And why is he wearing that vest? And so there's a lot of, um, like a lot of coaching, right. And like yeah. getting you to lock into your environment. Um, but a lot of his prompts and stuff like that were off screen where he would be like, he, he would be like, shoot. I think at one point he said, um, he was like, now lean in again and fix his vest. And he was like, and Josh, don't let her touch you. You know, <laughs> little things like that to where it really like, yeah. it really, it really activated things. And, um, yeah, I mean, we had so much fun. It was so hard not to break while I'm being terrible to him because yeah. he is also <laughs> very mad at me the whole time that we're working together. Man, that's hilarious. That's a great short. Uh, speaking of shorts, you are in a new short directed by Ryan Polly with our friend Gunner. Uh, we've been seeing all the, the BTS yeah. stuff on Ryan's Instagram. It looks like it's going to be amazing. You've probably seen it, but it's not out yet. So. Uh <laughs> Um, I've probably watched it like 30 times. <laughs> I have, I'm in love with it. I was so excited seeing it. Um, my husband has obviously seen it because I was like, Oh my God, look at this. It's <laughs> um, but yeah, I've watched it. I've watched it plenty. So I'm so excited for everyone to see it because it's man, what a project. It was so cool. Yeah, we don't want to give too much away, yeah, but uh, yeah. also for the written by fam, uh, the second AC on that, he's our DP. He shot our last two short films. Yeah, so. yeah, Trevor. Trevor yeah. was yeah. on there. Our audience today. Yeah, so. I didn't know yeah. that until I was watching. So uh, the director of this short, Ryan Polly, he posted like a BTS thing on Instagram, and I was watching. I was like, "Is that Trevor?" Yeah. <laughs> did y'all shoot that in Texas? We did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was at the end of last year. Um, Andre and I, because everyone else is pretty much local. Um, so Andre and I came in uh, and we did it over a three day, three, three shoot days. Um, there were long, grueling days for the crew and for us because we were wearing period piece shoes that have no <laughs> soles in a concrete warehouse. You know, like it was rough. And so, but I, I look back on that experience and I've said it, I don't know if I've said it specifically to Ryan, but that was the most fun I had last year. I, I worked a lot on a lot of different things, luckily last year and hands down, there's, there's always, there's nothing like making movies with your friends. Absolutely. Just nothing ever beats that. It's just never, nothing's ever as fun as that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that is the one thing we hear from every actor we talk to is yeah, <laughs> yeah, everyone we talk to really. Yeah, I think everybody. I you know I work with a lot of actors and I have a lot of actor friends who are still at that what I guess would be considered the beginning level of making things with your friends, mm -hmm. and they're always like chasing that next big job. They're like, I want to get on the show. I want to get on this movie and. <laughs> And I always tell them, I'm like, it's nowhere near as fun as you think it's going to be. Like every show that I've ever worked on, I mean, not that they're not great, but you don't have that same sense of belonging and the same sense of collaboration um, until you're like number one on the call sheet. I'm sure that's very different, but mm. yeah, I mean, it's a job. Like once yeah. you get to that place, like you're going to work. And so it, it feels very different than screwing around with your friends and making movie magic you know so here here you talking about some of the the good set experiences 
just just curious for me like what a what did your experience has separated like a like a not so great to an okay director from like a a great director like for anyone like listening that wants to direct like how from an actor's point yeah, of view yeah, what an, makes yeah from an actor's director. perspective like what what helps you sure perform? i think a lot of this is like i think a lot of perception of a director that works well with an actor is really based on the actor themselves um there was a point in time where you know, for certain projects, I still feel this way. I'll be like, I'm a glorified meat puppet, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I come yeah. in, I say the lines, I hit my marks. It's really not any more complicated than that. And I know a lot of actors who are probably, like, would listen to that and start screaming to themselves. They'd be like, no, you're a professional! <laughs> but sometimes it's that's what it is, right? And And sometimes you get a lot of open collaboration and people who are very respectful of the choices that you bring on set. And what I find is that the majority of directors have brought you in on this project or you were brought in on this project because of the things that you brought to the table at the audition level. Um, so very seldom do I get on set and they ask me to do like a complete 180 into something else. Um, I think a director that is an actor's director understands that notes like, I don't know, just bigger is not helpful. (laughs) And, and, and what I find is that that's just kind of, um, from a director's perspective, it is what you want to hear and kind of see. But that doesn't necessarily motivate an actor in the right way. Um, I've had some actor, I had a director that I worked with recently on a commercial where he was talking to the other actor duo and they were like a, a mother son scene where his note for them after the take was like, um, just hug her more. And he was like, what? (laughs) And he was like, I don't know, just more hug. Right. And he was like, okay. And then they do the whole take. And comes back, he goes, mm, just a little more hug, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's just, it's just not helpful. It's just wasting yeah, everybody's yeah. time. But in that instance, it's also the actor's responsibility to just hug the woman that's standing next to him and go, is this what you mean? Is this what, like, get all that stuff out before you roll, right? Then we're not wasting another five, 10 minutes doing that. So there are ways to <laughs> circumnavigate poor communication, but I think a lot of, um, if, if you want to be a really great director, it might be a really great idea to sit in on some acting classes and, and figure out how teachers, great teachers are communicating with their students. And that might be some of the language that you might want to adopt. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I think that's really great advice. Yeah. That's- Hey, thank you so much for talking with us. This has been so much fun. Do you have anything you want to add before we... Uh, I'm just curious, after seeing all your stuff, like what what would be like a a dream role for you? Whether it's a specific character or just the type of thing you want to play. Because we got got writers that listen to us. Maybe one of them. Oh, my. (laughs) Um, I, I, I try not to be too specific because I feel... I'm one of those people where I feel like I feel like I get scared to dream a little oh, bit, right? Like yeah. I get to, I get scared to tell people what it is that I want to do, but I would love to be in an ensemble comedy, which is what I kind of got to do with Ryan Short. Yeah, um, yeah. It was just so cool. Like I love comedy. Um, 
I think I bring something that's a little bit not conventional, you know, it's, and I, I like working with funny people. Like I want to laugh all day when I'm working yeah. and, and some of my favorite shows are like, like the office. I probably watched the office about like 17 times through at this point. <laughs> Cause it's just like one of those things that it comp- yeah. constantly in my repertoire. But, um, I don't know. I don't want to narrow my own focus in terms of what it is I want to do. I've done a lot of things that I thought I would never want to do and have really enjoyed doing it. But yeah, working on an ensemble comedy. And I think, I think I bet you're wondering how I got here is about as close as I'm, as I'm going to get to it for a little while. And that's okay too. Hey, you never know. You never know. You could get yeah. a call today. <laughs> after, after you release this, this oh, episode, uh, yes. yeah. somebody got to call me. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much for talking to us. Yeah, thank you. This has been thank so you. much fun. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been a great. Is there anything you'd like to promote or, or your Instagram or anything before we go? Um, no, I don't really. I don't care if people follow me or not. <laughs> but if That's you want, you can, you can find me up. on Instagram. Um, I bet you're wondering. <laughs> I bet you're wondering how I got. I should probably use, do this. I bet you're wondering how I got here is going to be coming out at the end of the year. It is a TBD for us, too. We have no idea when uh, the date is going to be. But we have been told that the plan is for an online release before the end of the year. Um, as a, after does the film festival circuit. And then, uh, hopefully I made it into twisted metal because we never find out until the episode airs. So we'll Well, see what happens. We we wish you good luck. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Fingers crossed. I make it in (laughs) guys. Welcome to the outro. This has been such a great episode. Hey, yeah, for real. Um, we're going to keep this short because this was a, you know, we had an interview with an awesome guest, Eden. Yeah. Thank um, you so much, Eden coming out yeah absolutely for you know driving all the way through zoom yeah. <laughs> she drove all the way from wherever she is to she, greenville Carolina, just yeah. to sit in a different room yeah, we, we put made on her, her sit in a different room and, and, and zoom in which uh, sounds like something that i would do to someone else like not her but like if shama was the guest it would be really funny to do yeah, that. <laughs> Or PD. Next time we record him, we'll put him in the other room. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. Um, <clears throat> hey, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed our uh, Last Supper murder mystery. That was a ton of fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then uh, that awesome interview with Eden. Just thank you guys so much for listening. If you're new here, um, consider following us on Instagram and threads. And, yeah, and, that's and, part of why we're wrapping this up so quick because we got threads to post. Hey, We got to get threaded. If you ain't threading, you're dreading. That's what I always say. <laughs> so stupid. Call okay. me thread word scissor hand. Hey, that was a great Call thread. Thread mullet. I don't... What? Thread wood. I don't, I'm thinking Ooh, of all the like ends or... Oh no. Both Johnny Depp characters. We just do it. Uh, what's the Sleepy Hollow? Ichabod Crane? Call me... Uh, Ichabod brain. <laughs> hey, uh, you can follow us on Instagram. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, leave us a review. You can, you know, find us everywhere on socials at Written by Pod. I'm still thinking about Ichabod brain. <laughs> Guys, our email is writtenbypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you could send us suggestions for story topics that go into our listener bowl that we draw from. Yep. 
uh, once a month. We just recorded a listener episode. It was a priority suggestion. Yep. It was submitted by one of our patrons, and it was a really fun episode. That'll be out soon. Also, send us rival pitch ideas if you want a franchise or a genre you want to hear us pitch a film about, a feature film. Also written by podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, or, or you can DM us on Instagram or whatever and uh, written by podcast.com. Our logo was designed by Taylor Lockery. Our music was produced by Robert and Drew. Yeah. Uh, guys, I'm at Robert two underscores Isaac and Chase is at Chase, Chase Bridges. Bridges three underscores, but just type in my name. I'm the first one that pops up <laughs> and I'm verified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> guys, we're, we're about to drop a lot of stuff and also... Yeah. Uh, we're, we're closer to releasing Trouble Date. We almost have a release date in mind, but we're going to hold off on announcing it until it's 100% final. But guys, Look, it's I, coming soon. I don't like to beg, <laughs> but uh, if you've ever listened to one of these and you've enjoyed it, then uh, for the love of God, help, help us. <laughs> help us when this stuff comes out. <laughs> Man, we have, we have been pressing with Trouble Date for so long. It feels so good that it's about to finally, finally be out. It was like the podcast has come full circle. An idea we came up with on this podcast. It's an actual film. Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be showing at a really small film festival this weekend. So That's true. I'm, I'm excited to see it. By the time this comes out, we would have already seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Follow me on threads. <laughs>